This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. By the Book on BFM 89.9. Hello, you're listening to By the Book. I'm Sharmila Ganesan. And as always, joining me for today's show, my fellow lover of Malaysian fiction, Lee Chui Lin. Hello. We're kind of in between the Merdeka Day, Malaysia Day period. So we thought this would be as good a time as any to uh, do a show on Malaysian fiction and essentially talk about where we're at, how we're evolving and what we might have to look forward to. And for that, we are joined by Dr. Fiona Lee, who is a senior lecturer at the Department of English at the Faculty of Arts and Social Sciences at University Malaya. Dr. Fiona, welcome to the show. Hello, thank you for having me. Let's start with your own entry point into Malaysian literature. What got you interested in uh, Malaysian lit and fiction? Uh, so when I was a university student, uh, I had the opportunity to uh, study overseas. I did a transfer program and went to the United States. Uh, and one of the majors that I did was in English literature and um, kind of read through the very usual uh, canonical texts. We did Shakespeare, the usual British American lit. Uh, but there was this one required course that I was um, invited, uh, that I had to take to finish my degree. And um, it was kind of put under the umbrella of non-Western literature. Uh, and it so happened that that semester, uh, the course that was offered was on Caribbean literature. Um, and it was my first time reading anything from uh, by writers um, in the Caribbean. I was introduced to people like uh, Kamal Brathwaite, uh, Louise Bennett, Michelle Cliff, Derek Walcott, uh, and so on. Uh, and these writers... Um, um, reminded me so much of what I knew about Malaysia in the sense that the Caribbean is incredibly diverse, has a long history of uh, colonization by the British, French and other European powers. Uh, different groups had been uh, brought to the islands uh, by force or sometimes through other labor uh, migrations. Uh, and these writers were writing in a creolized form of English. So that kind of made me just open my eyes to think of, wow, this is, you know, this is a different kind of English than um, you know, the English that I read in literature, but it also reminded me of how we speak English in Malaysia, right? Roja English. And here were poets, writers incorporating that uh, on the page. They were talking about race. They were talking about cultures, uh, intermingling, uh, conflicts emerging. Uh, and it just blew my mind um, and made me ask the question, um, okay, so if this is happening in the Caribbean and these are the ways that writers are talking about it, uh, what about where I come from, uh, Malaysia? Uh, what does that literature look like? What is How is our history, our cultures, identities uh, incorporated into lit literature? And so that uh, was my starting point, really, of kind of um, uh, exploring further into the field of post-colonial studies and then looking specifically at the case of Malaysia. And just to lay the groundwork a bit, right, who or what would you say are some of the stalwarts of the local fiction scene, the, the names that kind of immediately come to mind? And uh, I guess to add on to that and play devil's advocate a bit, are these names representative of the breadth of Malaysian fiction? Um, first of all, I should say that um, my own uh, research and training is primarily in the field of English literature. And so in the context of Malaysia, I look at Malaysian literature in English. Uh, and there are, of course, a wide range of many different languages uh, in which uh, writers write about Malaysia. So I, I'll, I'll kind of just speak kind of in the English uh, language. 
space. Uh, but even then, right, within this space, there's been so much work done uh, in the long 20th century uh, that it's important to kind of, it's, it's difficult, right, to kind of know everyone uh, and then to then even name kind of the few um, figures to kind of represent who is what. So I think um, uh, generally speaking, uh, uh, researchers of Malaysian uh, literature in English uh, try to think about uh, the colonial era uh, and here there are kind of writers, um, uh, and you know, we kind of know maybe, maybe the, the um, uh, British colonial Western writers who kind of write from this uh, colonial expatriate uh, perspective, uh, Joseph Conrad, uh, Somerset Moham, and so on. Uh, but one of the earliest known uh, works of local writing uh, are by the, the Straits Chinese uh, uh, community uh, who founded the magazine, the Straits Chinese mag uh, magazine, uh, in the early uh, 20th century, uh, where they wrote a lot of short fiction in English uh, that represented the Straits Chinese community, um, uh, you know, in on in the peninsula and in uh, Singapore. Uh, we also have writers like uh, Han Su Yin, um, who was who came uh, as a, a colonial expatriate who was born of Chinese and European descent, uh, who kind of wrote from this outsider perspective, but because she uh, also spoke Chinese and was uh, and you know had that kind of um, connection with um, uh, Chinese Malayans was kind of able to kind of offer this back and forth view in a way that I think uh, perhaps other uh, British colonial writers were not able to offer. Uh, and then you have kind of the um, Madeka uh, poets and writers like um, Wang Gungwu, Itian Hong, uh, Shirley Lim, uh, who came would come later on, Saleh bin Jonet, um, Muhammad Haji Saleh, um, and I, um, we have also K.S. Maniam. Um, and I think uh, many of the key figures of um, Malaysian English literature uh, often uh, is seen as a very multiracial cast, uh, but for a long time also quite peninsular uh, Malaysian centric. Uh, and I think it's in more recent times that uh, we are beginning to pay more attention to writers coming out of Borneo, poets coming out of Borneo. Uh, and I think this also reminds us of the need also to explore all the longer literary histories uh, uh, in uh, Borneo, Malaysia. What are some of the interesting ways that Malaysian fiction has evolved over time? Um, I... I think kind of in general, uh, we can think about this in two ways. Uh, I think of it in terms of language and then in, also in terms of form. Um, as a scholar, I'm really interested in how uh, what I call the meaning of the English language has changed over the course of the 20th century. Uh, and by the meaning of the English language, I'm not just talking about how uh, we use English uh, or you know, we use language to make meaning, but how there are certain ideas and uh, social status and significance that we associate with a particular English. And so English obviously uh, is present in this part of the world and around the world because of uh, its ties to uh, imperial legacies, uh, both British and uh, the US. And so um, early on, the early writers that I mentioned uh, grappled with, so what does it mean, right, that we are writing in a language that was uh, given to us by our colonizers, uh, what are the implications that we are doing this? What does it mean to be writing in this um, language of the former colonial masters uh, in this particular 
place are we just bearing the influences of our uh, you know of uh, colonizers rather than looking to our own uh, and so these writers also begin to experiment uh, think about their uh, local histories and their cultural roots um, you know there comes the question of uh, can the language of uh, that we speak and hear every day in Malaysia, right? Uh, Malaysian English, uh, vernacular English, uh, Bahasa Roja, right? English that is infused with uh, Malay, Tamil, uh, Cantonese, Hokkien, etc. Like, what does that look like on the page? Uh, can that be considered literary English, right? As opposed to just, you know, how ordinary people speak. Um, and so those are some of the questions that people begin to think about English. Um, People begin to wonder also that we see in literary texts whether English um, can be seen as a multiracial language uh, because it's often uh, seen as, you know, unlike the other languages spoken in Malaysia, uh, for example, uh, Malay, Iban, Karazam Duson, uh, Cantonese, uh, Tamil, Telugu, and so on. We tend to associate those languages with um, being of a particular ethno-racial group. And so English uh, tends to come across as this uh, neutral, right, or, or language that, that is spoken by different uh, races. And that too has a kind of a longer history of why that is, that that's tied to uh, uh, colonization. Um, but if we want to associate English with multiracialism, we might, you know, remember that colonial history, but also ask about the social divides, uh, class divides in particular, that English uh, also produces uh, both uh, within racial groups between those uh, who are uh, uh, upper socioeconomic groups and lower, as well as across different racial groups from a class uh, standpoint. And again, these are some issues that uh, writers, uh, for example, like K.S. Maniam, uh, has grappled with in his work. Uh, but, you know, as, as uh, uh, in more recent decades, uh, in the late uh, 20th century, moving into the 21st century, we also see English uh, as a global lingua franca uh, in the world of uh, literary publishing uh, internationally. English is the dominant language. So English suddenly has this uh, capital and currency and suddenly to be writing in this uh, language can potentially mean uh, having a global audience. And we have uh, Malaysian uh, writers who have Malaysian roots uh, who have this kind of um, positioning and space. Uh, and they are also writing in English and having to grapple with the, the facility and, and capacity of the language in that sense. So that opens up also questions of who is Malaysian literature written for? Uh, what does it mean to be presenting Malaysia to uh, an audience that is not just uh, in Malaysia, but beyond? And um, if, if I could follow up on that, how are you seeing writers in the last, uh, let's say, 20 years really dealing with that? Because we see lots of conversations about it, right? Whether or not to include um, Malaysianisms, even the question of whether once it's included, do you italicize, do you contextualize or do you just leave it? Um, what are you seeing in this area? Um, I think this is kind of a, an ongoing and long debate. And I think this is also something that uh, Malaysian writers have been doing uh, before they had, they were kind of uh, writing for implied international audiences. Um, uh, writers like Wang Gungwu, uh, who uh, we now uh, more remember as a historian when he was a student at University of Malaya, uh, wrote these poems uh, that he called uh, the Ing Mao Chin uh, Experiments, a combination of English, Malay, and Chinese, uh, where he uh, experimented with putting in um, Malay words, uh, Chinese words, sometimes. Um, uh, and and kind of uh, 
you know, tried to mix with it and experiment with it. And different people will have their views about whether it was successful poetry or not. Um, but I think this becomes a question of um, how, um, yeah, um, it, it's a challenge of do we think of the page simply as a monolingual space? What does it mean for a multilingual uh, society and nation to kind of grapple with this space that is usually monolingual in its conventions. Uh, but then also the question comes also of um, what, um, how do we um, invite our readers to engage with the page? Uh, what does the reader understand or not understand? How much is, uh, how willing is the writer, um, uh, how much write, explaining can the writer do, or does the reader have to do a certain kind of work? Uh, and if the reader is unwilling to do the work or uh, uh, or perhaps is excluded from certain meanings because of particular languages on that page, uh, that is also a kind of interaction. So I think, uh, you know, when writers think about um, how they want to represent uh, language and specifically multilingual realities, those are some of the issues that they uh, might be thinking about. We're speaking with Dr. Fiona Lee, who is a senior lecturer at the Faculty of Arts and Social Sciences at UM. And we're talking about Malaysian fiction and literature. Uh, well, because why not now? Uh, it's the It seems like a good time. Let us know what your favourite Malaysian books are. You can WhatsApp us 018-789-8899, tweet us at BFM Radio, write to us at bythebook at bfm.my. We'll continue our conversation after this, so keep it here on By the Book, BFM 89.9. Be free-minded. BFM 89.9. Welcome back. You're listening to Buy the Book with Sharmila and Lynn. And today we are focusing on Malaysian literature and Malaysian fiction. Uh, it is just coming up to Malaysia Day, so we thought we'd celebrate local literature. And we're joined by Dr. Fiona Lee, who is a senior lecturer at, Depart at the Department of English at the Faculty of Arts and Social Sciences at UM. Um, Dr. Fiona, so to pick up where we left off... What are some of the notable themes or, or um, ideas that you've seen in recent years when it comes to Malaysian fiction? Uh, basically, what are Malaysian writers exploring? Well, one of the exciting things that I'm noticing happening um, in the local literature scene is the play with different um, formats and forms and, and uh, uh, mediums and modes of writing. I was talking about language earlier and the spoken word poetry scene uh, has been quite vibrant in different parts of the country. Um, the wordsmiths of Kuching, for example, uh, are a group that meet regularly and often host uh, online poetry events. And one that I managed to catch, uh, I think back in 2021, uh, was an event that uh, wordsmiths of Kuching and uh, together with another arts group called Bonio Benkel, uh, organized with a, a group in the UK uh, called Lingua Franca, and it featured uh, different poets in Sarawak, um, such as uh, McLean Patrick, Angelina Bong, Bethany Balan, and Nena Retswan, uh, talking about uh, the relationship between uh, language and identity. Um, and here, uh, these uh, poets spoke about um, speaking, uh, you know, where is the place of uh, indigenous languages like Iban, Kadazandusun, in the cultural landscape of Malaysia? Uh, what has uh, national education uh, uh, you know, done to those languages, uh, what is the desire uh, and recognition only in English, uh, right? Uh, what uh, 
at what cost does that come to them uh, when it comes to recognizing the multiple languages that make up their uh, identity. So um, that's, you know, one particular area that's, I, I think, quite uh, interesting and exciting happening um, in the Malaysian literature scene. Um, but when it comes to other experiments um, in terms of form and format, um, I also think about a writer like uh, Zedek Siu, um, who has been working with uh, different artists uh, to produce works inspired by Southeast Asian histories and folklore. Creatures of Near Kingdoms, for example, is a work that he has written uh, with the artist Sharon Chin. And it's a remix of what's called the medieval bestiary form, right? It kind of features uh, different kind of uh, animal uh, or non-human uh, entities uh, and kind of there these descriptions about them that are also interrogating a very kind of uh, colonial naturalist uh, you know, books about kind of uh, exotic tropical nature in, in in this part of the world, and he's um, and he's kind of playing with that with his work. Uh, I understand that uh, ZXU is also producing uh, zines featuring fantasy adventures that are designed to be used as part of a, a tabletop role playing game. So this is kind of encountering fiction not in the form of a book uh, that one tends to read in isolation, but kind of in in a form of a game that you are supposed to come together and play. Um, with other people. So I think that's really exciting and that's really interesting. I haven't um, myself participated in any such setting, but I'm intrigued and curious to kind of see uh, what, you know, fiction making like might look like if we kind of go beyond the, again, the conventions of the page, the book, um, but think about kind of um, going back to older oral forms like spoken word poetry, kind of the breathing in new life, but also things like playing games with each other um, yeah, kind of on the table on board games, yeah. So while we're talking about form and and things like that, there's also the issue of genre because in the last decade, there's been this big push towards genre fiction in Malaysian writing. I mean, we're talking about noir, speculative fiction, pulp. Uh, where do you think this is coming from? I, I think these are great developments. Um, it tells us that what we often understand by literary uh, which I think, um, uh, you know, can kind of have this very elitist, uh, you know, it's literary and, and kind of uh, it has to be written in a certain way, um, uh, reflecting a particular kind of subject matter from a particular point of view, uh, that people are questioning that. People are trying to find uh, other spaces uh, and, and, and forms uh, by which to tell uh, their stories. Um, I, um, and so I, I think this is also... Uh, in some ways, marketing genres, right? Literary, uh, the literary publishing industry sells book by sells books by appealing to uh, different market niches, right? People who like speculative and fantasy fiction, or people who would like uh, noir or young adult fiction, and so on and so forth. And some, and while while that can be great, I also find that sometimes these categories also don't necessarily um, uh, they can flatten. Uh, the complexity of some of the works written by Malaysians. Uh, for example, uh, Golda Mo's Ivan Trilogy, mm. uh, which I'm kind of uh, making my way through, is a set of novels uh, that draws from uh, Ivan folklore and kind of tales that are narrated not only from a human perspective, but kind of often from uh, different vantage points uh, coming from the rainforest and different creatures in the rainforest, and there are spirits and so on. And it's conveniently marketed as fantasy as opposed to like, you know, this is make-believe stuff, uh, stuff that's not rooted in, uh, you know, scientific enlightenment-based kind of reality. But 
um, is it fantasy for the peoples whose stories come, you know, like this is part of our cultural fabric and our stories. Uh, in Malaysia, we we kind of accept and take for granted that uh, ghosts and spirits are, are part and parcel of our reality, right? I think uh, we would kind of uh, not want to uh, dismiss and simply say that's make-believe stuff and thus uh, classify, right, these kinds of works uh, in the fantasy category, right, stuff that seems to block it off from rooted reality, so to speak, uh, do justice to what those works are trying to do uh, in terms of uh, exploring uh, the histories of their cultures. So one of the critiques that we often hear when it comes to Malaysian literature is that we're not really a nation of readers, right? Um, what have you observed about what readers want? Is there a hunger for local works of fiction? I think this, you know, people are not reading enough. It's not a uniquely uh, Malaysian thing. Uh, I, I've worked in many other parts of the world and it's always a gripe that people seem to be making about the general public and especially of young people. And I really don't think um, that is the case. I think perhaps that uh, if there is in Malaysia a lack of knowledge about who uh, our Malaysian writers are, uh, perhaps that's a question that's also, perhaps it's a question that we want to think about in the age of uh, globalization, for want of a better work, right, word, right? In the sense that we are now so exposed to so many uh, different uh, media options, so many uh, book options that we can go, uh, you know, and and get and and uh, and sample and 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 participate and partake in, and all of that is very uh, great and wonderful. Uh, but perhaps it's this question of, but what about our own local history? Um, and maybe rather than asking, you know, do our Malaysians know or not know about it? Uh, maybe we can also ask this question of. Um, I, I think it's maybe a larger question of, um, you know. Uh, Read, I think people are reading, I, and I think um, it. You know, it's the question of: uh, Are we interested in uh, our own histories and our own past, and are we interested not just in looking at certain? Um, perhaps there are certain kinds of international writers that perhaps seem to have more clout and more stature because of fame, because of more publicity machinery behind them. Uh, but, you know, are we also interested in paying attention to our own writers, uh, not just writers who have gained some kind of international success, but also writers who have been uh, working away here persistently and and uh, and, um, and and regularly kind of putting out works? So are we interested in paying attention to our own histories and, and cultures? So we've spoken to you quite a bit about language today and we do often hear of people wanting to improve their language skills, whether in BM or in English primarily, and books are a great great gateway for that. There is also, though, often a lot of hesitance to pick up a book, particularly novels, that sense of intimidation. Um, within a Malaysian context, what needs to happen to make the idea of reading, specifically reading across languages, more welcoming? I, I think this comes back to the idea of... Um, Literature, again, being a very elite, elitist notion. And, and I wonder if that too has some roots in uh, our colonial history, right? Uh, back in the day, uh, in during the colonial period, the subject of English literature was taught mainly in English language schools. And you had to, and at a time where uh, not very many people had access to uh, education, especially uh, education at the upper levels, those things came to be associated with being you know, uh, but more being more well off, or some you had to have some greater intellectual sophistication in order to access this thing 
uh, called English literature. Um, and like in my own story of when I read Caribbean literature, and it's about a place that I knew nothing of, but because of the way they played with language, I suddenly recognized and said, hey, literature, literary English can look quite different. And I so I think that's number one, right? Just having to question or uh, address sometimes I think the very um, valid perceptions that literature is this very elitist space. Uh, and uh, perhaps folks working in uh, literary publishing industries need to acknowledge that history and find ways uh, to make it a more uh, inclusive uh, and, and diverse space. Uh, but I think the second thing that uh, one might want to think about when it comes to uh, reading uh, more diversely is to, to think about uh, what is available um, in translation. So one of the things that I've seen happening in the last um, decade or so that's been quite exciting to me uh, is the number of uh, literatures written by Malaysians or about Malaysia in other languages being translated into English. And if you are an English uh, or an Anglophone reader who cannot read other languages, you suddenly open your eyes and realize like, wow, there's actually so much more that I uh, don't know about, uh, can't access, but now has been made available to me. So for example, um, recently, um, a book of poems by uh, Kule Grassi called um, Tell Me Kanyalang was uh, published, uh, was translated by Pauline Fan, uh, you know, from uh, the Malay, Iban and other indigenous languages in Sarawak into English. Um, there have also been um, uh, a lot of Chinese language or Sinophone Malaysian uh, writing uh, translated into English. Uh, Ho Sok Fong's uh, Lake Like a Mirror uh, was recently translated uh, by uh, Natasha Bruce. Uh, there are also uh, these um, uh, Chinese uh, writers, uh, Sinophone Malaysian writers um, like Li Yongping, uh, Ng Kim Chu, Chang Kui Singh, uh, who have... Uh, uh, written in Chinese, uh, based in Taiwan, and whose works have been translated uh, into English, um, mostly for a US uh, uh, publishing industry market. Um, and it's through these works that, again, like I was saying, um, we suddenly realize that there are actually multiple points of view that people are coming from in different languages, uh, writing about this place called uh, Malaysia. Uh, and translation can be a way where we access uh, works um, you know, in other languages. And I've mainly just mentioned uh, uh, works translated into English, but I think more should be done, uh, not just through English, but other languages into Malay, uh, Malay into other languages, uh, and so on. I feel like in many ways, our whole conversation has been leading up to this question, which I think is a good one to close with. How does reading Malaysian literature help us understand our country and our experiences living in Malaysia? Hmm. Um, you know, as you're, you're saying, we're kind of in the season of uh, Merdeka celebrations and Malaysia Day celebrations. Um, and it's in this period where we often kind of find ourselves asking the question of, uh, you know, what does it mean to be uh, Malaysian, right? What is our culture? What is our I identity? Uh, and we also know that uh, part of the history of asking and addressing these questions uh, can also be a very um, controversial or, or kind of uh, politically heated uh, conversation uh, that kind of sparks many uh, debates and controversies. And I think this is because um, the, the terms of the conversation of what is our national identity, what is our national culture, uh, is often kind of defined by like the question of what it is, right, which then leads to the question of 
what it is not, uh, who is, uh, who is not, who belongs, who doesn't. And we get into all these arguments about what it is versus what it isn't. But maybe we can also think about the question of identity uh, in a different way, uh, which is to ask the question of, uh, the, or is to recognize that who we are uh, is not defined by who we are not, but who we are is defined by our past and also how we treat other people. Um, and so if we take Malaysia as kind of a place, right, this geo body where uh, we can ask the question of what histories have been a part of this place, uh, who has been here for a long time? Uh, who are the people that have come from many different parts of the world who have settled, who have passed through, who are uh, on their way somewhere else, who have left, uh, who stay for a long time, short time, anywhere in between, what are their stories? What are their cultures? Uh, how does our interactions with each other create uh, new things, uh, interesting things that might pre produce tensions, might produce beautiful new forms, might produce very interesting, funny looking forms, but that continue to change over time. I think that can be a way of thinking about this question of um, who are we, uh, where we need to go. And we see this, I think, in examples of um, poems by uh, Malaysian migrant workers, uh, poems, plays produced by uh, the refugee um, community. Uh, there's a collection of poems called Voices of the Displaced uh, that features uh, poetry in 10 languages translated into English um, from poets from Afghanistan, Bangladesh, Indonesia, Myanmar, Pakistan, the Philippines, Sri Lanka, and Syria. All that's part of Malaysian culture and history and literature too. Uh, and, and I think in a way that's what makes our culture so rich, so interesting and so dynamic. Dr. Fiona, thanks for speaking with us today. Um, you will be sticking around for recommendations after this, so I'll thank you probably later. But we are speaking with Dr. Fiona Lee uh, on Malaysian literature and Malaysian fiction. Let us know what are some of your favourite Malaysian books. You can WhatsApp us, 018-789-8899. Tweet us at BFM Radio. Write to us at buythebook at bfm.my. <music> to footnotes and we thought we'd close off this conversation on Malaysian fiction uh, with recommendations and um, Dr. Fiona has uh, kindly agreed to stick around. Uh, maybe you can get us started off with uh, some suggestions from you. I'll share with you what I'm currently reading. Uh, I, I said earlier I was making my way through uh, Golda Mo's Iban trilogy. I've just finished the first book, Iban Journey, and I'm just completely blown away by um, the work that she's doing. I think she's uh, I mean, she's writing in English, but she's also translating a cosmology, a worldview, a particular way of seeing the world uh, from uh, kind of uh, the Iban community uh, for those of us reading in the English language. So that would be, um, you know, one of my um, book recommendations that I'm sharing uh, with your listeners. Lynn, what do you have for us? Well, Dr. Fiona brought up Ho Sok Fong's uh, Late Like a Mirror, and that is a book that I've spoken about on the show before. But when I think about a piece of Malaysian fiction that really, really surprised me, got under my skin, kind of got into my bones, uh, that is a book that I think about quite a bit. Sometimes I dip in and out just to revisit the stories. And I think that there is a not being able to read them in the original Chinese means that the English translation is all I have. But um, I, I think that there is a really haunting quality 
to a number of the stories that are in there and the sense of place is so strong and yet there is a feeling that you're looking at Malaysia almost through a very familiar but also somewhat alien lens. Um, it, it feels almost like you're in a different country that's also very deeply familiar. And I, I've recommended it before, but because it came up, I just wanted to say it again. And um, if you are kind of just dipping your toes into into local fiction or into translated fiction, um, I think that a short story collection is a great way to start. Mm, I, I'm a big fan of Malaysian short stories and it, it is something that's sort of exploded in the last few years as well. I have two titles to recommend, if I may. One that is more than 10 years old and one that's very, very recent. One is Evening is the Whole Day by Preeta Samarasan. Um, it's one of my favourite books in terms of capturing how Malaysian Indians speak and how they behave in domestic settings and, and relationships and family. Uh, and the first time I read that book, I remember thinking, thinking, oh, uh, in the same way when you read uh, God of Small Things by Arundhati Roy and, and, and you think, oh, this is how people speak and it's captured. Um, I think Preeta captures that in the Malaysian Indian context really well. Uh, she's got a new book coming up, so, you know, good time to catch up as well. Uh, the other book, which is very, very recent, we in fact just talked about it on our show, Accidental Malay by Karina Robles-Bahrin. Um, the more I think about it, the more the book has sort of... Um, gotten to me and in and, and good and bad ways because it makes you think, it makes you reflect on issues of what it means to live in Malaysia, religion, uh, race. Uh, so yeah, that's that's been a recent, very thinky book, if I may use a, a very intelligent term to describe it. Dr. Fiona, thank you for joining us today. We've been speaking with Dr. Fiona Lee, who is a senior lecturer in the Department of English uh, at the Faculty of Arts and Social Sciences in University Malaya. And we've been talking about Malaysian literature and Malaysian fiction. Do send your recommendations through. What are your favourite Malaysian books? You can WhatsApp us 018-789-8899, tweet us at BFM Radio, write to us at buythebook at bfm.my. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.